Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're gonna be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on today? We are in the health and well-being category episode number two, part one of nutrition and movement, which is going to be kind of like what we eat and how we act. So we're going to talk mostly today about food quality and how we're going to be getting back and true to our human self and get a little bit back into some, I would say, naturalistic type movement patterns as well as eating patterns. And so a couple of things that I want to start with here, and I want this to just not be, you know, an overview for a lot of you guys who have listened for years. I don't want to, you know, just kind of bore you with the same stuff, but uh, obviously with nutrition, like not a lot has changed since I started the podcast three years ago. There's not a lot of new data getting done out there. And even if it is, my assumption is always when it comes to nutritional data is who's paying for it who's making money off of it, and where are the incentives with said study or uh, documentation, etc. I think we have come into a weird pattern when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to health and well-being, with thinking that just because science is improving things, you know, like prosthetics, prescription drugs sometimes, um, you know, technology to predict and find cancers and remove those things, MRIs and some of these technologies. I think because we're making advances over on these things, we feel the need to make quote unquote technological advances when it comes to food. And I think that is a really slippery slope. I also think it's something that is very counterintuitive to like our gut, our biome and all these different things uh, that we already really fully understand. And there's not going to be a lot of advanced technology that comes out to make vast improvements. And we see this with a lot of vitamins and minerals and supplements and all these things. And these are a lot of the questions around what people have with nutrition. But what I've really found with nutrition is people who nail the basics and the fundamentals don't really ever worry too much about supplements because they're getting all of the micronutrients and macronutrients that they need from real, natural, masticated, and well-metabolized food. Therefore, we're not peeing out all of the extra vitamins and powders and knickknacks that we're adding in to try to get us some weird disjointed performance edge. And again, if you take things back to understanding the incentives is, well, you know, so-and-so Olympian or games athlete or this or that, well, they take, you know, Xerix or whatever it is. And, you know, so it's got to be the best protein. And it's not. What it really is probably in reality is they have the best ambassador or affiliate link incentive program. So they pay out the athletes the most money for every, you know, case sold with their unique code. And that's why that one gets pushed more than the other ones. 99 times out of 100, it's really not always going to be the best product. So years ago, we were getting so many questions on this stuff that I just sort of came up with some really simple documentation around this. And my vast belief after kind of coming up with that about 12 years ago or 11 years ago is none of it's changed. I reread it a little bit ago. None of it's different. 
And although the brand names have changed, the principles still stay the same, which is really that 99% of people don't have any real need or bother to dial up the supplements. And so as we start thinking about that, you know, you might be thinking, well, Jeff, I take this and I take that and I take pre-workout and I take, you know, post-workout shake and, you know, I supplement with fish oil and I do all these things and all that stuff, it, it can have a place once you dial in the basics. And so because this is part one, we're just going to talk about the basics of what we eat and what we need to be thinking about is whole natural foods. And there's a bit of an endemic going on in society right now with vegetarianism and plant-based foods and, you know, veganism and cutting out macronutrients and cutting out whole sources of natural proteins. And it's, in my opinion, very, very uh, not good for society. It's, it's kind of sick and pervasive. And a lot of times I don't necessarily think people are getting all of the information around vegetarianism or plant-based dieting and what all it really means. And I actually wrote a long paper. One of my senior theses for uh, my philosophy class was based around how the best thing that you can do if you really want to support animals being taken care of and you're you know, eating vegetarian for ethical reasons because of the inhumane treatment of cows and chickens and all these things, I totally agree with you. I 100% am aligned with you in that setting. The vegetarian role takes an approach of apathy, which is I'm going to abstain. I'm not going to buy meat at all. I'm not going to vote with my dollars at all. In fact, I'm going to abstain. I'm going to buy other protein sources entirely. And what happens then is the local farmers that are treating animals correctly, that are feeding them real natural foods, that do love and care for these animals and give them humane deaths and know them and they have names and they're free roaming. Well, those farms are going away. They're getting buried and crushed financially by the big business farms that support the fast food companies and support, uh, you know, the the big chain uh, grocery stores and the you know, extremely cheap meat that you can find there. And those big farms are fine because they get government subsidies and they, you know, get a lot of different help from organizations and administrations that are in the executive branch that allow them to continue operating on guaranteed income. Small farms don't actually share that same, uh, those same traits. They are actually a lot of times subject to the same rules and regulations as these big farms are. And it costs a lot of money sometimes to keep up with the USDA regulations. And so what would be better if you want to support small local farms that treat animals the right way that have land and you know feed animals real natural diets and operate in regenerative farming and do all these things the best thing to do to support the cause would be to support these small local farmers would be to go out to their farm and see how they treat the animals and buy directly from them in bulk you can save a lot of money doing that, and you can eat real, natural, well-fed, highly nutritious meat, which humans need very much to stay sane and survive. And there's all these different studies that you can read about the brain patterns and all these things based around meat eating. We are meat eaters. Cutting that out is not good for us. And so that's kind of one of the biggest areas where we want to start. 
Now, there's a lot of other reasons that people might be vegan or vegetarian. And, you know, I'm not here to pass judgment at all on anybody's philosophical reasons for anything. And if you have a good argument to be made, I like having those discussions with people because it helps me gain insight on that paper that I wrote. But it also helped me, it helps me prepare for future discussions with people as they come in. But if you're thinking about you're eating vegetarian or you're eating vegan or you're cutting out animal sources of protein for health reasons, I just think you're fully wrong on that. It just there's there's too much data and studies to back up the fact that animal proteins and whole sources of grass fed beef and red meats and some of these things are just too healthy for you. And we need to be getting those things to support a well-rounded nutritional program. It's very natural. It's very uh, humanistic by nature. And so that's kind of one of the biggest areas that I want to start with is the protein source. Now, where I love the vegan and vegetarian movement or the plant-based movement is there's a lot of fruits and vegetables in there. And again, if we just take away everything, all this societal structure and all these things, you know, we've talked a lot about how there are some major benefits to, you know, the current system and structure in the world. I was actually, we were driving through a farm country the other day, Maria and I, and I was looking around and I had heard just a crazy statistic that it takes about five to six people to farm one acre of farmland without any machines. And so when you think about, you know, how many slaves back in the day would have had to work these gigantic farms, it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And because of technological advances and machinery and all these things, you can have a hundred acre farm and one person or two people and machines can farm the entire thing, which has allowed us to end a lot of human suffering and still feed people. And so there are some great, unbelievable technological advances in society from the food perspective. But at the end of the day, a lot of those are not things that should be in any way manipulating the food sources very much. And so we are very lucky in our society and where we live to have farmers markets close, to have good farms close, and to have you know very vitamin and nutrient rich materials around us to be able to shop and buy from. And so one of the main sources, if not the main source of what we should be eating on a day-to-day basis are vegetables, mainly a variety of colors and types and sizes, shapes, and all these different things. But we should also be thinking about how fruits are going to round that out. And we should also be thinking about the volume of these things that we get. And when we think about that, if you guys struggle with eating vegetables, you guys are a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that that has been one of my biggest, if not my biggest single health and well-being struggle point is eating vegetables. The tips that I've found that really are very helpful are to drink them. So have a smoothie, grow them yourself, go through the whole process. So you, you bore them from seed to stem, you clip them off the vine, you go, you wash them, you put them in your mouth. There's something about being involved with the real natural human process of growing, watering, you know, going through the full process from start to finish that really creates buy-in for you and makes you a little bit more, uh, excited, I guess you'd say, to eat those things. Uh, So 
there's a lot of great smoothie recipes out there. And, you know, most of my smoothies that I make are going to be predominantly green vegetables. And then a little bit of, I, there's going to be a little bit of purple. So I'll add some chard root and some Asian greens and some different things like that. Uh, but I'll add some fruit then to flavor and try as much as I can to get a variety of fruits. And we start thinking about that. You can look at triberries and triberry blends are going to get you a great mix of antioxidants as well. And the blending process isn't as good as actually sitting there masticating the food because the process of chewing is very good for us in terms of actually absorbing the vitamins and minerals from those foods. But it's definitely better than nothing. And it's definitely better than taking a vitamin or mineral uh, supplement where we're just taking a pill and relying on our body not to pee out 90% of it. Also going to be quite a bit of cost savings on those vitamins. And so the last thing then is going to be thinking about where do we get our fat sources from? And ideally, we already sort of covered that, right? So our fat sources mainly and predominantly should come from our protein sources. If we're eating eggs, we're getting good sources of fat from the yolk. If we're eating beef, we're getting good sources of fat from the cow. And if you're, you know, chicken and turkey are going to be a little bit more lean. I don't think they provide us quite as bit, quite a bit, quite as much in terms of the actual protein source themselves. So they maybe shouldn't be quite as uh, prevalent in our diets as some of the more nutritious sources of meat are, which are going to be fish, eggs, um, beef, deer, red meat. That's going to be whole natural, you know, grass fed, naturally fed animals, wild animals. Uh, if we're looking at deer. Those are going to be significantly higher in nutrient value uh, than just your your run in the mill, you know, Purdue chicken breast that you can pick up somewhere. And so when we're thinking about fats, those are going to be an excellent source and will provide really probably about half, if not all of the fat that we need throughout the day. A lot of people are also going to get it from cooking oils. So whether you choose to use grass-fed butter or avocado oil or an olive oil, uh, and uh, you know I use olive oil for the natural salad dressing that I make here. I make sort of a natural, I guess you would call it closest to a Caesar salad. I don't know why I really call it that. I have no clue if it's actually like a Caesar salad. Um, but I use an olive oil base for that, so I'm getting some fats there. And so, you know, the the lunch that I eat most commonly throughout the days, if it's not Chipotle, which if you guys know me, I'm a Chipotle lover. Uh, but if it's not Chipotle, typically what's going to be is mixed greens from our garden. Or if we're out or it's not time to quite pluck them yet or it's winter time, we'll grab super greens from Costco, which is a, a four different type of leafy green vegetable mix. And I mix that with some shredded chicken that we just do plain in the Instapot. And because that chicken and that lettuce isn't going to have a great fat source, I'm going to add guacamole and then my olive oil based uh, salad dressing on top of that. And so right there in that meal, I'm going to get a really good variety of proteins, fats and carbs, going to get a good variety and mix of micronutrients and macronutrients. And so and it's very natural, right? I'm going out, I'm picking them from my garden. We don't have chickens right now, but that is an aspiration for me in the future. And that's going to be something that you can really easily see like, okay, this was a chicken. This is the, this is the garden that I had. And you know, these are, this, this is squeezed olives basically. So very simple, or this is an avocado. And so there's no nutrition labels really anywhere in that mix. There's nothing to look at. There's nothing to read. Uh, you don't really need to weigh and measure that at all. There's no real need to track that because it's just whole real natural foods. There's no nutrition label for it. And I always think about it this way is if you're tracking a lot of food, 
but all the food you're tracking doesn't have a nutrition label, you're probably eating so well that tracking just doesn't matter a ton. And that's sort of where we want to live. And it's a pretty simple rule. And I think everybody in the world is trying so hard to make nutrition complicated, but really it can be as simple as that. Is if everything that you buy just doesn't even have a nutrition label on it, then you're probably crushing it. Like if I go and I grab, you know, raspberries, blueberries, and strawberries from the store, probably no nutrition label on them. Maybe there is, I don't know. They throw nutrition labels on everything anymore. Grab a handful of avocados. Grab some chicken breasts from uh, the, the farmer's market. Grab the leafy greens from either Costco or uh, my, my garden in the back. It's all very simple. And we should be actively striving to make things simpler, not more complicated. We shouldn't be looking at all the things that we aren't doing should be looking at what are the things that we can do easily? What are things that we can, what are the changes that we can make that make things simpler? And so that's my hope for you guys is to look at each meal that you have. And one of the big similarities that you're going to find behind most extremely healthy people, especially if you're starting to look at like aesthetics, if you're looking at, you know, bodybuilders uh, or, you know, the, the Omars of the world, right? The one thing that they really share in common is when they're eating, they're eating on some degree of a routine and they usually eat the same things. Now, maybe there's like five meals in their repertoire. There's maybe a little bit of variety, but usually breakfast is going to be the same every day. It's thoughtless, right? For me, it's usually five or six eggs with a little bit of cheese in them so that they're a little bit more delectable for me with everything bagel seasoning. And then two pieces of Ezekiel bread toast. And then if I can and I have it, I'll make a vegetable smoothie. That's the same every single day. Maria's is the same every single day. There is zero variance. There's no variety. We never change it. We don't even look to change it. It's not even a question. We wake up every day and we have it and we have all of the materials for it because it's the same. It never changes. And the, the myth of variety is typically not going to be something that provides you a lot of extra value. And there's a lot of people who be like, well, you know, I get really bored with what I eat. And it's, you know, okay, but let's try to find a meal where you don't get bored, where you re do really like it. And then let's add the variety on things like the weekend. Like Maria loves going to Condado. It's one of her favorite places. So if we're really seeking some variety, if we're super sick with what we're doing, we'll go down and we'll have some tacos. And that's a simple way for us to go and get some variety in our meal. Same thing for me. If I'm getting sick with my lunch, with that salad lunch, which I do get sick of, I'll go to Chipotle. And I might do that two or three times a week. And that's something for me provides me a little bit of extra variety. It's something that's quick, it's easy, it's fast, it's delectable, but it keeps me in that same boat. I get all of my macronutrients in from that meal, especially if I add in a vegetable smoothie with my normal Chipotle meal. And we're getting well-rounded on that. So if I have one piece of advice as you guys start looking at nutrition, at your nutrition picture, if you're looking at changing, there's two different things is there's the keep it simple stupid method which honestly is the it's the, the most brainless method possible is just come up with one breakfast one lunch and one dinner meal that is automatic that you like that you can do without thinking quickly that you enjoy that is made of whole real natural foods without a nutrition label that is the goal if you stick to that one rule and you eat those three meals you're going to be 90 to 95% of the way there. 
And then the other piece of advice there is if you guys struggle, grab a coach. Honestly, one of the best things that I can tell you is if you just want to skip through all the noise, all the crap, all the wondering, all the guessing, all that stuff, work with a coach for like three to six months. If you need a little bit more, if you're like nutrition's way off the rails, maybe go a little bit longer, but three to six months and just figure out and get, you know, a list of things that like this is where I should be and what I should be doing. And they can look at it and they can triage it and they can make things very, very clean and simple and just cut through all the crap. And there's about a hundred times in my life where I really wish that I would the I would have started with a coach that I would have like the first piece of advice somebody would have had for me is just like hey get a coach. Working out was like a number one with that was I was broke for like six straight years and I didn't have the money to afford to be able to go to a gym or get a coach or do any of those things. I didn't have that luxury and so I was sort of stuck learning my own way and filming with my flip phone at the time, filming my movement and comparing it to YouTube videos. But man, had somebody just said like, you know, hey, just once or twice a month, you got to go and get some coaching. And that coach would have told me, hey, your mobility sucks. You've got to work on your squat depth and you've got to work on your overhead squat. And here's how you do that. And you need to spend more time working with the empty barbell and you need to not keep doing these things that are going to continue to promote less mobility. Things like deadlifting really heavy and back squatting really heavy and power lifting a bunch and bench pressing all these things. You need to stop doing that crap. And you need to start paying a little bit more attention to your overhead mobility with lightweight and empty bar. Because otherwise, on a long enough timeline, you're just going to build up bad habits and you're going to get hurt. And it's kind of that same thing with nutrition is if we don't really know where to go or how to get started or what to do, and we just kind of keep guessing and we kind of keep, you know, paying attention to Instagram, you know, nutrition influencers who are naturally extremely lean and or on steroids and or taking a bunch of other, you know, weird supplements that really aren't best for their long-term health, but they happen to be 28 years old and look good with their shirts off. So yeah, sure. Let's follow their advice. And we decide to jump into this thing and that thing. And, you know, now I'm doing, you know, meal timing and carb this and fasting that. And, you know, I'm vegan and I'm vegetarian and I'm inter- and I'm keto and I'm doing all these things. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like all that seems like a, a lot of stuff, like as a very big distraction. Let's just keep it a little bit simpler. And so that's my big piece of advice is keep it extremely simple. And if you guys struggle and you're not keeping it simple or you're finding yourself easily um, buying into or manipulated by uh, the kind of online influencers or people selling stuff that's uh, very complicated in nature that has you doing a lot of uh, extravagant things, uh, just maybe find a coach that's a little bit more back to the basics would be my, my guess. And then the last one, guys, the last thing I want to talk to, and I want to pivot just real quick on on the health and wellness is I want to start talking a little bit about movement generally. And I think this is something that kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with uh, the, the nutrition piece because it kind of gets back to our natural living style is naturally we moved a lot more than we are right now. And I think this is something that is like this slow creep killer 
on American society specifically because Americans are a lot worse than pretty much every other area of the world. Like Europeans walk a lot more. Their cities are created to walk quite a bit more than Americans are. Uh, we're a much more drive heavy society. And obviously, you know, Central America and South America and places in Africa have a lot more walking in their towns and areas. And so this is sort of an American first world problem. And if you ever go back into the history, this is like one of the main areas of study that I studied when I was in college is the creation of modern America and like why we became highways and roads versus, you know, trains and trams and uh, a little bit more public transportation based. But anyway, regardless of all of that, we are where we are and we are very road and car heavy. Well, that gets us into this world where we're sort of centered around the sitting things in our lives. So computer chairs and couches at home. And then we get into our cars and we have extended commutes some of the time. Thankfully, some of that's going away, but it's not necessarily getting replaced with a lot more activity. You know, your time in commute is sort of just getting replaced by your time in computer chair. And we're just spending a lot more time in this 90-90 hip flexed position, which is going to be an absolute killer on lower backs, hip dysfunction, knee dysfunction, foot and ankle mobility, and um, you, you, the the business to be in, for lack of a better way to put it, is going to be hip knee hip and knee replacements and lower back problems, so chiropractic. Uh, these are going to be plagues on our society, and you're going to start to see it with people that are younger and younger and younger and younger. And I don't think in 15 to 20 years, I don't think it'll be uncommon to be seeing 20 and 30 year olds with knee and hip replacements. Something that used to be reserved for people in their 60s and 70s is going to continue walking its way down the decade spectrum. And if you start watching, you know, for me, when Marie and I will go places and, and you know, you, you'll people watch, we always kind of look at the people when they wear flip-flops and they wear sandals, you can see a lot of really bad collapsing arches, which is almost your heel slipping off the inside of the flip-flop uh, is sort of this collapsing knee knocking almost position where from your foot and ankle, the knee goes inward and then it goes back outward to your hip. And those are going to be huge signs of dysfunction as you start going. And as we start getting teens and young adults into our adult program and into our teens program, it's pretty easy to go through some base level movement assessment and see how these things impact movement and see how they impact performance, see where pain comes in. And these are all things that are corrected by more movement, especially when we're younger, more movement, more playing barefoot, uh, more running and jumping and being in the sand and on the grass and in natural environments that are not always, you know, perfectly level and not always perfectly structured and safe and firm and all these different things. But instead, getting out and playing on variable surfaces, being on things like trampolines with bare feet and training our proprioception and our bodies on how to land and how to jump and how to run and play and cut and do these things. And so obviously, we try to build these things into our training program at Friendship. And something like a Hayden's jump, which is easy an easy throwaway for people, could not be more of a necessary movement for people to be able to master and then build and maintain better and better and better movement patterns with. 
And so as we start thinking about this, think a little bit more about what our natural human selves would do is we would wake up in the morning and one of the first things that we would go and do is we'd get out and we'd maybe look around our perimeter. If you guys have ever been like legit out in the field, if you're in the military or camping, if you're civilian and you're out there, the, one of the first things you do is you're going to go out and you're going to take stock of the situation. And so you're going to go for a little walk. You're going to walk terrain. You're going to go you know, up and down hills and mountains and rocks. You're going to climb over logs. You're maybe going to move some things, maybe climb up some trees. You're going to squat down. You're going to have a lunge pattern. You're going to do all these different things. So the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is you start moving your joints and moving your body and moving your hips and your knees and making your feet become sort of one with the world and learn how to maneuver and manipulate through different terrain. What it is certainly not is it's not rolling from a horizontal position in your bed, taking about 13 steps to your coffee pot, grabbing your coffee, and then you know taking another 10 or 15 steps to pop down to your computer chair, logging on and sitting there for you know a few hours. And that's commonplace now. And it's it just got worse. If it was already bad, it's now worse. And so we've got to start thinking about how we start our days, how we take breaks, how we get up and move. I, you know, the one piece of wearable technology I think does have value is a, a pedometer that tracks your immobility or tracks your sedentary time. So if you get like alert every 30 or 45 minutes, if you haven't moved and you actually use that to create behavior change in yourself, that can be a great thing. But at the very least, what I want you guys to just maybe take away from this is start thinking about how much we're moving and how natural that is to our human body. And if we're getting further and further away from natural, we're walking further and further away from health. And so I want us to be thinking a little bit more about the workouts. You can't. uh, So people always say, you know, you can't outwork a bad diet. True. 100% true. Diet is at least 75% of the health picture, I believe. I think the other 15%, and I kind of have changed a little bit on this, is just your general movement throughout the day. You can't outwork out sitting around all day. You cannot sit around for 23 hours and 15 minutes and work out kind of hard for 45 and expect to be in shape. It's just not going to happen. I don't even think that you can meander around for 22 hours and 30 minutes and do two workouts a day of 45 minutes each and still outwork sitting around those other 22 hours and 30 minutes. We have to get up. We have to use our bodies more. And when I've found this, this is something that's relatively recently for me as I found myself just sitting, sitting, sitting more. My back was so much worse. Movement is medicine. Getting up and working on the house and climbing ladders and carrying things and lunging and being on my knees and squatting on my toes and doing all these different things to get into these different, you know, manipulated movement patterns to be working on plumbing or painting or up in the ceiling or in the attic. Good God, the attic is like the ultimate mountain climber workout of all time. And or bear crawl workout, however you want to look at that, all all of both. When you're doing those things, you're gonna find your joints are more lubed up. They're ready to move. There, you don't feel like this folded rusty lawn chair all the time. You don't have all the moans and groans of getting up out of your car or your chair. 
you feel more ready to go, that quote unquote ready state, you feel that every day, all the time. You have more energy. More energy begets more energy. And so if you guys can just nail this, like this is step one, I'm telling you, this is it. If you guys move more, if you get up, if you use your bodies for natural things, you eat highly nutritious, real natural foods, you are going to be 90% of the way there. And the other 5% stuff you like, it's like sleep and water. I don't know. I love water. I'm weird. For people who don't like water, I feel so sorry for you. I'm really, I'm really sorry about that. Like water is the most amazing thing. I love water. But yeah, that's the only other parts of the picture. So next time we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about some of the macronutrient stuff and maybe some of the meal timing stuff and some a little bit of the more nitty gritty nutritious stuff. But again, do not count what I talk in part two and do not discount because I'm going to talk about it in part two. Don't discount what we talked about here. This stuff is incredibly important and this is the priority. Very important to prioritize. All right. And this is stuff where this is massive compounding returns in health and well-being and happiness and mobility and strength and power and capability. And if you guys feel like you're plateaued, if you guys feel like you're stuck in whatever you're going for, whether it's body type, aesthetics, performance, run times, pull up times, strength, it all gets better with these two things, significantly better. So maybe this is the area where you're weak. Maybe, yeah, you're coming in, you're busting your butt in the gym, but you're sitting around a bunch all day. And maybe, yeah, you're coming in, you're busting your butt in in the gym and, and you are going on some walks and you are getting your steps in every day, but you still don't have that nutrition all the way dialed in. So focus here. If you guys put the priority here this week, that's a step forward in the right direction. Let's try to nail down a couple of meals. You know, if you guys want to have a discussion about uh, the vegetarian world, I'm more than happy to have that discussion. I've had it a lot of different times. I'm very non-judgmental. I'm very non, uh, you know, I know a lot of people get very religious and very, you know, vitriol with uh, with their nutrition talks and with their philosophical things. But I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who loves animals more than I do. Uh, I really do. And so I, I, I thought about this quite a bit and I've done a lot of studying and research on it. And so I'm happy to send you guys things if you're sort of waxing and waning a little bit on the vegetarian world so have a great one guys let's have a great week and i will talk to you guys next week see you